Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday night. It's late in the week. Um, and we'll take a look at the Haftarah. I didn't think we were going to have anybody cover Haftarah, but our patron saint, our guardian angel of this podcast, that's Gluck Plumbing in Lakewood, uh, stepped forward. I'm very grateful for that. So, thank you. Uh, now let's get to business. We're looking at Avadia, which is, you know, is the shortest book in the Bible. And it's among the most enigmatic, at least in my opinion, simply because we don't know who Avadia is. And the only reason it's the Haft- excuse me, the Haftar this week is because, it- <coughs> I'm sorry, because it's cussing out Esau, right? Ech nech b'so Esau nevu matzpunov. We all remember that <laughs> from from the Pesach, uh, uh, remember, in the beginning. Anyway, the point is, and Baba Kama, so bottom line is that we deal with the very strange uh, the prophecy by somebody we don't know exactly who he is, about Esau, in a manner that seems to be taking place, as best as one can tell, um, later than the prophecy is delivered. In other words, when we look at Treosar, usually we think of these guys as living, you know, by three. I mean, we know, you know, Hosea, Yol, almost they lived in time of uh, the middle of the first temple. Uziahu, Cheskiahu, Yerom the second, those kind of people. Um, and you know, it's mentioned Hosea, Yol, almost and some others. When you get to Avadia, who is he? Now, there is an Avadia, of course, who's the Prime Minister of Achov, very famous. Is that the same guy? As the, why would he? He's the Prime Minister up in the north. Why is he talking about Edom, which was in the south? You know, like Vosepis. <clears throat> um, nevertheless, in spite of what I just said, there are those opinions of Chazal that they're identical, because that's a policy of Chazal. I mean, among some in Chazal, that when you see two names the same, you say they're one and the same person, even if they're hundreds of years apart. It's a peculiarity of the style of some schools of exegesis in Chazal. You know who has a whole thing on this? The intro to the Talmud, uh, Maritz Chayes. Uh, he talks about that sort of thing. Now, others say that doesn't work out, that Vadya, the Prime Minister of Acha, would be down, you know, talking about Edom, and so, because uh, they didn't have a border, you know, so rather it would be an Edomite Ger, no, it's a Ger Tzedek, who came from Edom, and is cussing out Edom, which makes it, you know, poetic justice, so to speak. As Umar says, when you chop down a tree, you do with an axe whose handle is from the tree, it's from wood. You know, that kind of thing. No, it takes one to know one. Imagine today, if in 1945 or, or earlier, a real German converted in the middle of World War II 
and then said, now that I'm Jewish, uh, I want to cause the, the, the complete Corbin of Germany, something like that. Yeah. It would... It would be something along those lines. It's a very catching and gripping kind of image, although, you know, where do you get that from? Like, you know, why do you say that? So, um, going to plain push-up shot, as best I can tell, and that's all I can ever do, as I say endlessly, I just give my best shot on this, is that I would place a Vadya if somebody lives towards the end of the Bayes Rishon, uh, time of the Corbin, and I'll tell you why in a second. See, even though he's a little bit out of order, it's Hoshea, Yol, Amazavadia, Yonamichu, Nachun, Chavaka, Gishbi later. But whatever, you know, you can't go by that. And some people in the Trios are definitely from beginning of Baishani, end of Baishrishim, you know, Chagai, Zechai, Malachi, that sort of thing. So it could be. That's that's what makes the most sense. I'll be Pashup Shah. Hold on. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Uh, so anyway, this is, I'll tell you why. If you look at Avadia, he's talking about the relationship of Klai Yisrael with Esau, or with Edom. That, my friends, is a, is a funny story, if you ever think about it. Consider the following. Let's go to the beginning. The Jewish people leave Egypt under Moshe Rabbeinu, and they cross the desert eventually, and they get to Edom, and the king of Edom says, don't go through me. And Hashem says, go around him. So it turns out that there's no fight between Klai Yisrael and Edom at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, then comes the Shoftim. Hundreds of years. You never hear about Edom attacking the Jews. It's interesting. Consider the book of Shoftim. You have trouble from other Gaisha nations. Um, uh, Moab in the time of Ehud. Aram, I think, in the time of um, Asnil ben Knaz. When you get to Dvar, it's the Canaanites. Gideon, it's Midian. Shimshon, of course, is Plishtim. Yiftach would be Ammon. Nothing but Adam. So let me get this straight. Ammon attacked us. Moab attacked us. Plishtim attacked us. Midian attacked us. Adam did not attack. It's not recorded. That's just interesting. So there's no conflict that we know of. And then you get to King Saul. Shaul. I think they mentioned very slightly somewhere that he fought off enemies on the borders, mentions Adam somewhere. But you know and I know, Shaul, the big problem was not Adam, the big problem was Plishtim. And then you get to David. David is a king for a long time. It's very interesting that he has nothing to do with Adam. At the beginning of his reign, he wipes out two-thirds of Moab. Nobody knows exactly why. There are theories. Um... He busts the Plishtim, obviously. He captures Jerusalem from the Yavusi. And then, as far as we can tell, does he does. He doesn't launch a campaign to conquer the nearby countries. That came later on as a result of the war coalition, as I mentioned many times. That something happens much later in his reign. And he definitely doesn't have anything to do with Adam, as far as we can see. So here you have, from Moshe Rabbeinu to Dovin that's a good 400 years, at least. Um, and, yeah, no problems. Then comes something interesting. Later in the reign of David Amalek, when he's in his 50s, breaks out the war of the coalition, the Hainu, that David sends ambassadors to Ammon, and they get insulted, and he gets into a war with Ammon, and then he gets into a massive war with Aram, 
I spoke about this not long ago. Check out the Tehillim 79 and 60, places like that. And this war against um, Aram, particularly, which had massive armies, seems to have been devastating for Kal Yisrael. And David Amel says in Psalm 60, you know, Rafash Warab Kimata, Hoshia Mikhabaneni, we're in big trouble. Nasati Lariacha Nasalis knows this Nekoshitzella. We're having a bit of sign over here. Knows we're getting we're getting defeated and destroyed by Aram and all that. And in the middle of this mortal struggle, which he eventually does win, but after davening hard and he's saying, please Hashem, you know, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, please, Hashem. Aram was the problem. And eventually, God does, does defeat them, battle Chalam, and afterwards he goes on to conquer Syria and so forth. And Aram, and was not part of it. And then suddenly they were. If you look in Psalm 60, for example, and also in Malachim Aleph, in a certain place in the beginning, I think chapter 6, chapter 7, something like that, somewhere, or maybe a little bit later, you see that they stabbed us in the back. During this war that David Amel says is a war of of survival, he he writes about it the way Israel's writing about Lochemim Alabayit. He said, you know, you look at the capital of Salma, just for accurate, let me open it up here. And you see, he says, uh, and then he said, uh, that famous puzzle. Hello, You're not marching with our armies. That's why I'm being defeated. So they were mamish lochem It was an existential war. During the middle of this existential war, Adam attacks us. Shnei another place. and they killed eighteen thousand Jewish soldiers. They made like a certain Hamas type raid, exactly when we were facing another front. So it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like, suppose right now, right now as I speak, Jordan, for example, in Misa, attacked Israel with a big army. It would be a bummer gadol, right? The whole army's concentrated in the Gaza. You understand what I'm saying? And you know what I mean? It would be a, 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 a terrible, okay? And it happened. So as if he didn't have enough trouble, he now has to face a two-front war. When Dove was in the middle of a massive war against the North, he gets attacked from the South. Now, in the end, David being David and Yoav, they prevailed. He did end up defeating Aram, as he prays to God to do. You know, at the end, he says, uh, That Hashem will crush our enemies. It happened. And then... He went back, he sent Yoav back. It says in Malachim, in the first 10 chapters, somewhere over there, that he sent Yoav, and Yoav exterminated Adam. He killed every Zohar in Adam. Spent six months 
doing it right. So it's like if you put Itamar Ben-Gavir in charge of the Israeli army now in Gaza. That's what it was like. Play hardball. And it's a big hardball because, I mean, it killed everybody. So in other words, from being at peace with us, more or less, for centuries, all of a sudden they stabbed us in the back. And David obviously was furious over this. And so was Yoav. And therefore they were looking for revenge of a bloody sort. So we find that the Jews in Edom had this kind of treachery, hatred of treachery kind of relationship, which is funny. And then, time goes by, as best as I can recall, and you don't hear about Edom again. They were able to, to win their independence from Shlomo, but that's because of Shlomo's problem. And uh, you find Edom allied with the king of the north and the king of the south, with Achav and, and, and uh, Rachav, son Yehoram, and uh, Yehoshaphat, fighting against Moab. Right? So Edom, again, was an ally. And then later on we find, which is interesting, that uh, one of the Jewish kings, Amatia, invades Edom, doesn't say why, and he um, violates the Geneva Convention. I think he pushed 100,000 Edomite POWs or something like that off a cliff, mass killing. Now, believe it or not, there are opinions in Chazal, uh, in, 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 I remember Yushalmi Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nehemiah, and I forget the other one, which I think is a Chulun, if I'm not mistaken, where they criticize what I just said as war crimes. I'm serious. Chazal said what you did to Edom is a war crime. You don't find it that they use this, they, you don't find you use it, one second. I hope this is the right thing. I got mixed up on the tape here. Hope Ari Elbaum can put it together correctly. Anyhow, um, you don't find uh, there's Edom being associated with anything other than kind of a treachery. That's my point. The the, the Chazal do criticize Amatia for being too cruel. And so you, again, you find that when the Jews go to war against Edom, it gets really out of hand. Um, according to Chazal, it gets out of hand. I don't see them criticizing David, for example, for go, doing a chainsaw massacre on the Amon. If you look it up, you'll see they're in Shmuel Beis. Um, I don't see other things like that. When it comes to Edom, they're kind of angry about that, which is a little bit strange. It's interesting. Now, um, let's move fast forward. Then when do you hear Bedom? You don't exactly, but you kind of do, Dehainu. By the time of Nebuchadnezzar, when they destroyed the base of Mish and Tishavov time, so there seemed to be these uh, Mesoras in Chazal that the Edomites played a... Uh, um, again, a treacherous role in uh, the Chorban. They weren't part of the regular army fighting against the Jews, which would be bad enough. But they did something disgusting, which was that when the Babylonians besieged the city, the ace of the Edomites for, uh, acted on their own as a kind of rear guard for the Babylonian army in such a way that if anybody 
escapes the, the siege of the Babylonians, the Anamites will catch them because they're they're looking on the lookout to uh, to catch any of the Jewish uh, refugees. Okay, you had some people like that in the Holocaust, where the whole Messias was to go to try to catch Jews trying to escape. That that's what they were. You understand? That's what they were. Um, and he says in our parsha, "Al Talmud al Aperik Lahachri says Plitov, Al Tazgir Srida Biyom Tzara." Right, Pussy thirteen, I think. What does that mean? Al Talmud al Aperik Lahachri says Plitov. Don't stand on the crossways to cut off the refugees. You shouldn't have delivered up the survivors on the day of distress. You hear that? You shouldn't deliver the survivors on the day of distress. I'll take. Uh, where is it again? That's to hand somebody over. Right? That's hand somebody over. Remember we reading down the paper, one or two of these unfortunate hostages in Gaza escaped, but then the local Gaza people handed them over to the Hamas. Something like that. Okay, well you can't expect more from them. So Edom formed this role. Okay? Which is kind of a, a disgusting role, like a Gestapo-type role. It's not even an open war. And there is indeed a Chazal. If you can check it out, you'll see in the Dalkut um, Shemonis from the Medeshulam Dino, which says, it's not in the Gemara, but it's in the Chazal, B'Shosh Shehikif Nebuchadnezzar's Yushalayim, when Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, Bo'a Esav HaRosha V'Omad L'Rochat Menakaz Demil, the Esav people, the Edomites position themselves a mile behind the enemy lines. In other words, imagine a siege. Jerusalem is in the middle of the circle, then it's surrounded by a big circle of Babylonian besiegers, and then beyond the Babylonians is Edomites. Okay? So, Bo Esav HaRosha V'Omad L'Rochat Menakaznim Mil V'Yahore Kol Mishanimlat Menakaznim And they would kill any Jew that survived. Just to make sure it's right. Now, if I want to be historicist about this, something like this all happened to Cephas describes in the Second Temple period as well. But let's go with this Chazal as it is. Okay? And again, there's another one that says more or less the same kind of thing, which is, Omar Esav, Harani Omid Khan, Im Ereshi Yisrael Notzchim, Omar Lisaye Eskambasi, Piminatz Chuosam Babel, Hovachni Baruch Yisrael. Which is very Middle Eastern. I want to see who the winner is. If the Jews start winning... Then I'll join the Jews in attacking Nebuchadnezzar. If the Jews lose, I'll, I'll, I'll move in and join the fun, killing the Jews. So what you see over here is the quality of treachery, is what I'm trying to say. You understand? It's the idea of Aisha Keu and he bit him. You know, it's, it's that version of Esau. Not the Esau that hugs and kisses Yaakov and makes up, but even when he's hugging and kissing, Aisha Keu is trying to kill him by biting him. That's the image you get from over here. And um, and we know, again, in Capital 137, how we describe Esau over there. So in other words, that the Bnei Esau was uh, among those who... Uh, you know, encouraged basically to be burned down totally. These are all treacheries. The Babylonians did the hard work. They fought the battles. 
they drove the Jews into surrender in the recent period. They did it, if I can use the term, fair and square through armies. And the B'nai Yisrael were like in the corner, and in an opportunistic kind of way, they sort of, you know, encouraged or did encourage the Babylonians, and they said, Ararat Now, it was Bavel, which was Ashrei, uh, it was the Babylonians who smashed the baby brains against the, the rocks, took the Jewish kids and bashed their heads against the rocks. But the Adamites are the ones saying, Ararat Yisobo. So, it sounds like Edom is like a special enemy of Beis Amigdosh, and special enemy of Klai Yisrael when we're down, and therefore it's a treacherous enemy. Throughout Jewish history, we've had open enemies, but then of course you have the treacherous one. It sound, and the treacherous one is more disgusting even in, in, in any culture. You know what I mean? Even in any culture. That's, that, that's the nature of being treacherous. You couldn't fight me face to face. And so, you know, you fight me in, a, in, a, in an underhanded way. This, you know what this would be like in our time? Think, for example, in the Holocaust. Hitler did the killing. Right? Hitler and his henchmen. And in Harambe, there are also certain peoples, I'm actually speaking about this tomorrow night, or Saturday night at Shomri, in my lecture series. Uh, there were, you know, certain peoples in Eastern Europe to help the Germans do the shooting and the killing. The Ukrainians, the Russians, the Lithuanians, Latvians, there were. Uh, but there were a lot of people in Europe, uh, how should I put it, the Dutch, the Belgians, the French, others, that they managed to disassociate, which was they told on the they told on people to the Germans. The police in many of these countries cooperate with the Germans. I'll just give you an example off the top of my head. Take for example the Holland, the Netherlands, which seems like a nice country, had a lot large Jewish population. I mean, they had 150,000, something like that. It was a big center of Yiddishkeit, actually. People don't know that. And then the Germans took it over. This is Anne Frank, you get it? So the Germans kept the existing government. They just gave it orders what to do. And the existing government cooperated, collaborated with the Germans. And they rounded up all the Jews. And they made notes of where they're living and so forth. When the time came... Several times they just rounded them up and sent them off to Auschwitz so they all got killed. Same thing in France. It's very famous, notorious, that the French police, the French authorities, cooperated fully with the Germans in getting rid of all the Jews. That's the Esau Vort. That's the Edom Vort. The Germans are like the devil. But the devil needs helpers. You understand? The devil can't do it by himself. And therefore he needs people be, you know, Omer al-Aperik l'hachris is a platen. Himam ish be over al-Aperik l'hazgir sridim b'yom tzara. I mean, that's the Holocaust. L'hazgir sridim b'yom tzara. To hand over the survivors. Sridim means survivors. B'yom tzara. This is what we got to watch out for throughout our history. Right now, Israel's in a war, obviously, and, uh, and it's a desperate situation, no question about it. It is. Uh, you watch out for your friends. <laughs> or, or watch out for those countries that will sell you down the river. 
in a disgusting way. The Arabs are fighting because the Arabs are fighting, you know? That's who they are. Per, per other, they'll come and try to kill you and, and, and torture you and burn you and this and that and the other. But these others, I'm talking about not Arabs, who are saying, no, 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 but Israel uh, should be condemned for this and Israel should be attacked for that. So they're sitting nice and quiet in their places and they're probably Muslim for someone else. And that's disgusting. Because what you're doing is, what they're really saying is, let's wipe out Israel. Wipe out Claw Israel. And they're not even the ones that did the main work. They're trying to take advantage of the situation. And so it's almost like Esau knows that Yaakov got the bracha. And Esau knows he can't exactly undo it. But if you wait for the moment when Yaakov gets messed up with some other enemies for his own reasons, whether it's David Amel or whether it's the time of, of Tzikiyahu, then you make your move. And like I say, you hug him and try to bite him, try to kill him. And because this is all treachery, so the Mina connected Mina is that Asa will go down because of treachery. Edom. Because that's what the Torah says, if you look at it. Right? He says over here, after cursing him out, you know, and saying, you know, uh, you're in a high place, but it's not going to help you, they'll take you down. Right? But what does he say over here? Let me say in English. Your allies push you to the border. Those who are at peace with you have deceived you. Those eating your bread have set a trap under you, under you without your sensing it. You understand? That your own dependents or your mercenaries or something like that, different theories, who will betray you. And ain't and you don't cop. Those you'll talk go down because you didn't perceive the betrayal. And the reason you didn't perceive the betrayal is because you always tra- practice treachery. And you always practice treason and betrayal. Right? And he says. It'll be something remarkable. It'll be a divine curse. How is it possible that you'll fall for such a treachery? Hashem, make it happen. I mean, he says the words. I'm going to arrange it, Hashem says, that your uh, intelligence agencies will be asleep. I'll get rid of all the chacham and enem, and I'll get a tvunam harseir. I hate to say it. This was true of Israel also. You know, in October 7th, it was Havadati Chachamim Yisrael, Utvuna Mahar Tzion. Because, and it's Mamish Tvuna. Because coming out stories now that people did warn him that this is coming. And there were elements, the girls, guys in the intelligence business who were watching the Palestinians in Gaza and saw they're practicing for exactly such a rape. But they weren't listened to. Why? Because I'm going to give it up Tvuna Mahar Seir here in Tvuna Mahar Yisrael. So this is a. A curse of me to connect meet him, I would say. And your mighty men will be confused. In order that the massacre should take place in, in Harisov. Okay? Why? Right? Why is this the case? Because you did it to Yaakov. Right? So, what goes on, comes, what goes around, comes around. You understand? What you did to Yaakov has happened to you. What did you do to Yaakov? You swore to base Mish, cast the Jews up into slavery and exile. So guess what? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, 
ביום החום אין יום שבוס חילוב, נוכרים בור שערוב, you saw the enemy come into the, into the uh, gates of Jerusalem, וגם אתו ככה, even though you're relative of ours, you joined the enemy armies. So, it sounds, doesn't it, that this Avadia, uh, someone living later, meaning time of Tisha B'Av, and he sees specifically the sins of Edom, knows we had enough trouble from the Babylonians, and there are plenty of places where they curse Babel and all the rest of it. Yeshaya, Yermi, Yecheskel, plenty. But there's a special hatred for the, 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 tre- the treacherous one who acts like your friend and then stabs you in the back. And it seems that the Jews and the enemies hated each other whenever they said, you know, officially. And that's why you had such hardball playing on both sides. I'm sure if Amatia pushed 100,000 POWs, or I forget how many it was, off the cliff, I mean, must have really hated Edom. I don't know why, unless it was general. The Edom was synonymous with the, with the treason. So Esau leaves a funny legacy, right? On the one hand, the Esau of our parsha makes up with Yaakov. And it's not only that, but he's actually sort of afraid of him. What you see in this week's parsha is a forerunner of Lakewood, Jackson, and Tom's River, and Muncie, that Esau is doing quite well in, 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 in Canaan. Yaakov shows up, and Esau moves out. <laughs> Yeah, it says Asa moved away because how you Chusham Rav and you know Ha'ilachel Eretz Mitnei Yaakov Aviv says that couldn't stand to be around Yaakov. There's something about the two brothers that can't be near each other. Uh, by the time you get to the period of Avadia, the brothers are not really near each other. They are, in, in point of fact, you know, living in separate countries. Yeah, but Asa can't take it. That's what it seems. Asa can't take it. Now the question becomes, uh, I'm going to go too long, does Asa learn from this? What happens later in Jewish history as far as Asa and Edom is concerned? All I know is that um, the story is that Edom eventually converted to Judaism under force by the uh, time of John Herkinus. That's what Josephus says. Gemara does not say that, but Josephus does. And out of that came Herod and Hordus, who was like really terrible for the Jews. So they converted, but then they gave us like the Jewish uh, Stalin. Thanks a lot. And in many ways, the reign of Hordus is the background for the Chorim Bayashani and for the rise of the Palestinians. Believe me when I tell you that was Herod who brought in most of the people he called today Palestinians. If you know what I'm talking about, Get a hold of either Halevi's uh, Doris Rishonim, or do it the English version. Get a Victor Miller. I guess it would be Torination. And uh, it's very polemical, of course, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. And especially the party brings about Hordus introducing all these uh, non-Jews into the land as part of Herod's attempt to hold on to the power, even though he knew his, his Jewish subjects didn't like him. He said, I'll bring in non-Jewish subjects and they'll like me. So in other words, he messed us over out of Yomazeh. And that's why when we read the Haftorah of Avadia and, and we think about it in, in long terms, Esau in long terms, not the brother of Yaakov, the physical guy, but the legacy, it becomes very complex. Now, you know, it becomes very complex. And, 
and it doesn't portend so great. And yet, in spite of everything I just said, it is a Metzius now, as I said, that we are relying on Esau to help us against Ishmael. You understand? Know We're relying on Esau. Now, we only hope that as Biden hugs and kisses Israel, he won't bite him. Ishmael is the same thing. We hope it'll be like Sam Sreveler's, that they really, honestly, hugged and kissed. We're afraid it's going to be Vaisha Keo. And I don't mean Vaisha Keo in a treacherous sense, necessarily. Maybe, I don't think Biden's a treacherous person. I don't. I think out of the best motives in the world could come something terrible. So it turns out that the Parsha of the week, the Aftar of the week, is really speaking to us about the current events. And therefore, I, I invite you this Shabbos, when you listen to this rather short Haftorah, to consider, when you look through the Pesukim, how it applies in, uh, in in contemporary terms, along the lines that I just laid out for you, uh, or or your own. Anyway, that's what I want to say. And uh, again, I want to thank Gluck and Gluck Plumbing for being our sponsor over here, always stepping to the plate uh, as uh, heroes of rescue. And with that, I wish you all a good job. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.